Support for Waveform comes from Anthropic. So looking for an AI solution for a business, it might be time to check out the Claude 3 family from Anthropic, your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. So whether you're powering a customer chat experience or doing complex R&D or need advanced analysis, Anthropic can help provide you with frontier intelligence. So if you're looking for speed, power, or anything in between, the Claude 3 family offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. All right, hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to Waveform Episode 3. We're your hosts, Marquez Brownlee. And Andrew Manganelli. And today on Waveform, we have a deep dive in Porsche's brand new electric car, the Taycan and Taycan Turbo S, and comparing it to Tesla Model S, a conversation about the perfect travel camera, some video game world updates, and then we'll wrap it all up with another great Q&A. But first, let's go with a quick recap since the last episode. We have a couple updates from the last podcast two weeks ago. The biggest one, I think, would be the reviews of the Galaxy Note 10 and the Galaxy Note 10 Plus. Both those review videos came out and actually made them separate videos, which I don't always do for two different phones that are the same but have different sizes, but there is enough different about them. Uh, but yeah, pretty good uh, collection of features in those two phones. Obviously a little bit polarizing with the lack of a headphone jack, but that's just kind of the way it is now. I do have one fact check, quick fact check. I mentioned the Note 10 doesn't have those depth sensors, but it does still do AR doodle and live focus and a bunch of other things that still require depth information. It's just not quite as good. Yeah, I'm sure you were dying for all of those things on the Note 10. Yeah, I'm not the biggest AR Doodle user. I'll, I'll admit that freely. Not a power user. Not yeah, not AR a power Doodle user. Power. So sorry about that, but that is the truth. And then we also have new Dope Tech. So all kinds of things happening with the new Dope Tech series, which I'm just really excited about. It's just a sort of a collection of new and exciting and interesting pieces of tech. I'm um, just generally pumped about Dope Tech being back. Yeah, I feel like I feel like everyone loves Dope Tech and they're always wondering when the next episode is, but we've kind of put ourselves in this position where like we did a camera robot arm. Like how do you beat <laughs> How that? do you top that? Yeah, so it's yeah. barely coming out anymore because we're not finding these insane things, so we figured we'd do a more of a list format. We can throw in some a lot of things in a shorter time yeah i might i might have set the bar too high where once i Possibly. same thing with the interview series it's like when are you going to do another interview well my last two interviews were elon musk and bill gates i can't just hold back on every interview from here on out to try to do better than that so we'll bring back interviews as well but it's not like a it's not like this is a giant step down this is just fun to have it back yeah and don't worry regular dope decks will still happen when we do find those incredible true. pieces true and then you have a you have an Apple battery repair update on here. So what's what's happened since the last time? Last week we talked about Apple and some of their battery issues and it wasn't really that much of an issue. I don't think either of us thought it was that bad. It was you know, if you replaced it with a third party battery, I think it was even if you replaced it with a first party battery, but it wasn't from an Apple authorized user. Not certified. It, yeah. Uh you would lose the battery status some battery health indicator in the settings yeah something yeah. everyone checks every morning when they wake up from bed but uh but so apple actually kind of took a step forward here and now they're allowing independent repair shops as long as somebody in the repair shop has an app took an apple certified technician course uh they're now able to buy first party parts oh directly from apple not all parts though okay but so some first party parts from i believe a small it's, list 
yeah, batteries and screens. Okay. Well, that's a step forward for, I mean, if you want to consider right to repair a sort of movement. Yeah. Apple taking steps to being a little bit exactly. friendlier is a pretty big deal. Let's give Apple credit. They, right. they took a step, which I don't think anyone was ever expecting. Right. The problems we still have here is uh, there's still plenty of other parts of the phone that can break that they don't have access to. Like, uh, I think one thing I heard Lewis Rossman talking about was if your charging port breaks, they can't buy those parts. And if you go to Apple to do it, they just replace the phone, I'm pretty sure, which oh. you lose all your data. Nice. So, okay. yeah, that seems like something super, super easy that you'd think they'd offer. But and then on, the other thing you don't have is people repairing from home. OK, so, uh, yeah, so this is I mean, this is a, a pretty good size little little right to repair update. And, and for people who do have phones that may be dying or that you want specific parts to be replaced, that is good news. Good news. Nice. But hope it's the first small step towards many more steps. Awesome. Okay, so I have a new version of uh, new content for this week that I want to share with you. Mm -hmm. It's not a video. Okay. It's it's actually music. And, uh, you know, music, everyone has their own different tastes of music, but I just want to give a major shout out to, and this is going to be hard to explain, but 20SYL, which is also known as Vainsill because 20SYL is the spelling of it, but it's not English, so you pronounce it Vainsill. Either way, his music, which has been featured in many MKBHD videos, I always I always throw it in the edit and I just think this is incredible music and I feel like this makes the video so much better than it already was. Um, and he just came out with a, a little bit of a new collab. It's a remix of a new song with an artist that he worked with. So it's called Dollar and he collabed with Electric Guest, which is another artist that I've been familiar with. Haven't featured their music on the channel, but obviously that's very complex as far as what music you're allowed to feature. Mm -hmm. And uh, Vane Soul has been super generous with allowing us to use his music. Uh, but if you want to check that out, that'll be linked in the show notes. Dollar, the dollars, the original song and the remix that are brand new. And it's also the intro to Dope Tech. So if you've heard that little tidbit, then you've heard a bit of it already. Okay, next topic. And I think I could talk for maybe 35 to 50 years on this. So slow me down if I get ahead of myself. Yeah, that, I think that'll be my job for this part. I think this will mostly be you talking. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I'll just go into rant mode, but that's okay. So it's the brand new Porsche Taycan electric car. So many feathers ruffled, and I love it. <laughs> so, oh man, where do I even start? Porsche is obviously an awesome legacy car manufacturer. This is their first all-electric car. Four-door, looks very similar to uh, the 911. Panamera. Panamera, right? yeah. yeah. So it's a bigger car. It's a four-door. It looks very similar to the Panamera, but it has new headlights and this new sweet giant LED taillight and all these other new design cues for their electric lineup. And this is part of an ongoing theme of every car manufacturer in the world realizing, wait, electrification of cars is real. It's not just this fad that's disappearing. It's growing. It's a new market. We can jump in here. Matter of fact, a couple days ago, Lamborghini just unveiled their first hybrid supercar. It again has all these new design cues, all these new features. But that's beside the point. So fully electric. Porsche comes out. And I put out this little tweet. Yeah, you know, ruffled some feathers, mm -hmm. but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to it anyway. Uh, that was just a, a comparison between the highest-end Tesla Model S that you can get right now um, and the highest-end Porsche Taycan Turbo S. No, there are no turbos. I know they called it the It's just called turbo. the turbo. Yeah, they just couldn't resist keeping some heritage in there. <laughs> so it's called the Turbo S. Um, so the highest-end Model S is uh, about 110 thousand dollars 
Let me actually pull up my tweet. Let me just read through the exact tweet that I sent. We can go down the list. Yeah, you yeah can sounds good. Tell me what you think of this comparison because it's it's definitely an on paper comparison, but it's real. Hundred and ten hundred and ten thousand dollars for the Tesla. Hundred and eighty five thousand dollars for the Porsche. Okay. So right off the bat, one the, of them is a little bit of a, a, a little bit yeah. more expensive. Uh, the two of the most important things that I think you think about when you think about an electric car are your range, how far can you go, and charging speed, how fast can you charge. Yeah. The range on the, the Model S is 345 miles on a charge. The range on the Porsche is 280 miles. And what's also interesting is they're both 100 kilowatt hour batteries, um, 93 kilowatt hours of which are available to the Porsche, and I guess the full 100 to the Tesla. But the charging speed on the Porsche is significantly faster. And I thought this was really interesting. So okay. the Model 3 and the Model S both charge, I think, up to 150 kilowatts on the Model 3 and about 100 on the Model S. Hopefully they update it. I'm getting in the weeds already. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the Porsche will charge like 80% of the battery in 20 minutes. It's incredibly fast. That's, that's awesome. The problem is where do you do that? Oh, yeah. The- you don't have a you don't have a charging network uh, that's quite as readily internationally available as Tesla's supercharging network. So this is a, a big point, I think, for an electric car owner that wants to either do road trips or charge in their garage at night. It depends on your usage habits, but that was a pretty big stat for me. Range, advantage Tesla. Charging speed, advantage Porsche. But charging availability, advantage Tesla again. Yeah. As of right now. It's as still cool right to now. see... A potential. Oh yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'm coming back to this all at the okay, end. Okay, cool. Co- I mean, competition is is where I want to be, but I'm still going through like what we have today cool, cool. in 2019. Zero to 60 time, uh, 2.4 seconds on the Tesla, 2.6 seconds on the Porsche. They're both insanely quick. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they're high end, high powered electric cars, but slight advantage to the Tesla just because you can claim the slightly lower number. That's what performance car enthusiasts love. Yeah. And then your top speed is about the same, 163 on the Tesla, 162 on the Porsche. Uh, And then a whole bunch of things that I couldn't include in that tweet because when you do this sort of uh, spacing out line thing that Mm -hmm. I did, it requires a lot of spaces as characters. Yeah, heaven forbid. (laughs) Format really messes tweets up, doesn't it? Yeah, so I didn't have enough room to talk about autopilot or supercharging network or interior styling or any of that stuff. But uh, what's your reaction right off the bat to these two cars? I don't own an electric car. I'm just always seeing stats, so I don't know how it lives every day. I have to say it looks great. It looks very good. I have one huge gripe. I don't like the back taillight. I think it looks like a Lincoln MKZ, which is- Oh, the Porsche. Of the Porsche. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Other than that, it looks fantastic. Porsche's always been known to make just good-looking cars. I mean, they're they're kind of iconic. You could probably almost call them the apple of the car world. Like, Porsches just look the same all the time. Everyone knows when you see one. It looks great. Yeah. Uh, their event this morning took way too long to show the damn car. The event was funny. It yeah. was rough, but... So I've seen a lot of events, and again, you sort of get spoiled by Apple being the gold standard of tech presentations, and you see them present so often, but yeah, that was a, a sort of an international collaborative event where they had a, a setup in three different countries, and they tried to have the event happen simultaneously in three mm-hmm. different locations, and it was cool, but it took a very long time to actually unveil the car. Either way... Uh, People tend to be in their camps about these cars. Yeah. Especially when it comes to Tesla. It turns out people either love Tesla or hate Tesla if they've heard of it, which is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when this car comes out and, you know, there's a slight advantages on paper to the Tesla, uh, there are 
massive unseen things that are not on paper that are big advantages for Porsche. One of these being repair, service, availability of uh, getting a car quickly, mm -hmm. the history of uh, driving dynamics. You know, the, the Porsche actually weighs about 500 pounds more than the Tesla, despite having the same size battery. About 5,200 pounds, really? this car. It's huge. Two and a half tons. But uh, that's not a huge difference from the 4,500 pound Tesla or near the 5,000 pound Tesla. And driving dynamics has always been a major strength of Porsche, no yeah. matter what kind of car it is. So that's interesting to see. But yeah, there's just, there are so many comments about, oh, this is, this is a car that can turn when Teslas clearly are bad at turning. This is a car that's not going to catch on fire because only Teslas catch on fire. Uh, and, and the one that I found really interesting is this is a car that can do multiple uh, launches in a row without overheating. And this is actually a legit point. Uh, yeah. So one of the big things that Porsche was touting was their seven and a half minute Nürburgring lap. Okay. And I don't know how familiar you are with, uh, I guess, benchmarks for high-end cars, but it's a big point of pride to be able to put down a lap uh, with a good time at that track. And the Tesla doesn't have a time really? at I the Nürburgring because it will overheat by the time it gets to the end of this seven-minute lap, and that limits power, and that limits how fast you can go, and no one's put down an official time for Tesla. I'm sure people have gone there with their cars and tried to yeah, do it, sure but... Yeah, the, the seven-minute time was record-setting for an electric car. For Porsche, right out the gates, there is no P100D Nürburgring time. That is a, a great comparison for Porsche because yeah. it's it's easy to look at numbers that are close together, but when Porsche can throw one out that literally doesn't have one against it, like yeah. to a company that's been making electric cars for a while, yeah, that, that looks good on them. So they can they can they can brag about that. And there's also, I found, saw a fascinating video, I think it was the other day it came out of their... Again, another metric I haven't seen very much, but there's zero to 90 to zero time. Okay. <laughs> so zero miles an hour up to 90, and then as soon as you hit 90, you slam on the brakes and return back to zero. And they did this really dramatic video on an aircraft carrier okay. where they had a limited amount of runway, and you're going 90 miles an hour in a car on this boat, and you slam on the brakes, and they got zero 90 to zero in 10.7 seconds. I don't know if that's great, I mean, it sounds really yeah, impressive Yeah, I don't know numbers me. off the top of my head for something like that. I have seen the test before, and the tests are always crazy because imagine yeah. just like slamming your head back, then flying your head forward. And You're then, really approaching yeah. the limits of traction when you slam on the brakes at 90 miles per yeah. hour. So that was, a, that was a fun test to see, but I, I don't know how that compares. That could be interesting to see it do alongside. So I guess my bottom line here with these two cars is competition is good. I'm sure if you put the Model S and the Taycan Turbo S next to each other, am I saying this right? Taycan? Taycan? I, I'm not totally sure. Taycan. I also normally pronounce it Porsche, so Porsche, I probably have Porsche? said it in here and someone's probably losing oh, their no. mind right now. Oh, you said Porsche, didn't you? I've, I've tried to say Porsche, but I'm sure I said okay. Porsche at some point. Well, I'm sure you could put these two cars on a drag strip next to each other and floor it and the Tesla would just barely beat the Porsche in a straight line and that's what people are going to point to for performance but there's so much more to performance. And I think actually having real legit competition between Tesla and the other companies that are starting to make electric cars is the best part of this. That's yeah, what I'm excited for. For sure. And I, it's also seeing a company that has this much history go into it, even if it's one that's super expensive that not a lot of consumers are going to be able to buy. Yeah. It's going to be, it's 
fun to see these places come these different companies come out and and take on and create competition and yeah we're all going to benefit from it and there are others that have sort of caught my eye uh, remember at ces we saw the audi e-tron yes that was one that's been sort of creeping up there's no official info for that yet but that was curious just because you think of audi as a premium manufacturer um and there is others and we have a whole state of electric vehicles sort of concept bubbling i'm sure this will end up being its own podcast or video or something uh but i think the porsche take on turbo s specifically even though i think it's a little bit overpriced i think it's the closest thing we have to something that can move the needle on what tesla has to do now like they may actually have to react as far as charging speed and and as far as interior styling and things like that I also saw a photo from the event of people trying to sit in the back seat of the turbo, and it wasn't ideal. Really? Yeah, it looked a little bit cramped. I'm assuming the interior is great. Porsche is known for good stuff like that. Tesla has a good interior, but a lot of people who come from luxury cars like Mercedes oh, yeah. and Audi and stuff. I love they... this point. Okay, so I, I consider maybe myself a minimalist or something of a minimalist because I really like the interior of a Tesla. If you've never seen the interior of a, of a Tesla Model S, there are zero buttons or knobs outside of the hazard lights, the window switches, and the mirror adjustment. Everything else is just on the steering wheel or on the main screen or the dash behind the screen. That's it. You have your air vents, just like broad, clean surfaces. And people coming from high-end uh, German, Italian, all these other cars are used to having buttons, knobs, switches, glass, metal, little clocks in the side, like all sorts of really high quality switches and things where you just feel like you're getting the premium material because you are. There's leather stitching, the seats are really nice, and they, they've they earned that credit over 100 years of making cars where you sit in the inside of a Porsche and you're like, damn, this is nice. Yeah. This is a nice car. Um, I don't think normal people get that same feeling from a Tesla, but I do. Huh. <laughs> so I really like the interior of the Tesla. Um, but I think a lot of people will compare the interiors and advantage Porsche for sure. There. Yeah, I'm sure. I, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with the Tesla interior. It's just not as jump out and grab you as the interior of some of these these higher end cars were. And yeah. I'm sure for $180,000, they're going to put something in there and you're going to feel pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's an expensive car. And and when you're buying, like, I okay, try to put yourself as a, a person trying to decide which of these two cars to buy. Like, think about that. If you're in your car right now listening, like, look around. What would you rather have in your car than than the current car? Like, a lot of people are going to say, I'd rather have that nice interior. I'd rather have the Porsche badge. You know, there's a whole bunch of things that people really value in cars that, you know, you know Tesla probably doesn't necessarily have. Mm -hmm. But there's a whole bunch of things on paper, like autopilot. That's a big question mark. Yeah. Can, you, can these cars fully self-drive themselves? Do you care at all about that? Do you have a supercharger near you? That's something you can't really measure on paper. Like there's all kinds of variables that are hard to measure that I think uh, are very personal. But yeah, I think uh, if the if the Taycan was $120,000, I would be very curious to see what kind of sales they'd have. But I think because it's 150 to start and then the Turbo S is 185, uh, I think they're still going to have a little bit of work cut out for them as far as selling to people who really want to buy an electric car that don't have a supercharger near them. Yeah, it's a it's a much more niche group of people because it's high-end luxury and electronic. 
Yeah. And obviously it's not a big group. Dollars, yeah. yeah. That's why Model 3 is is killing right now. Yeah, I'm, I am excited for whoever comes out with a $40,000 electric car with 300 miles of range and like a decent zippy performance car, like with the interior that people like and, you know, toss any brand name on it that people will just assume is better because Porsche, Audi, whatever you want to say, like that car is probably going to do really well. Anyway, this whole thing comes back down to competition. This is the best competition I've seen yet to Tesla, and that makes me very happy. Yeah. All right. So we'll uh, we'll take a quick break, and we'll come back, and we'll talk some uh, quick tech rumors. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for Waveform comes from Coda. So it can be tough to stay organized when your team is spread across time zones. With Coda, you can help keep your whole team on the same page with an all-in-one collaborative workspace that brings together the best of documents, spreadsheets, and apps into one platform. That means less time ping-ponging between different tabs and tools and more time on your projects. So with Coda's extensive planning capabilities, you can stay aligned when managing planning cycles and while measuring objectives and key results. Plus, you can access hundreds of templates and get inspired by others in Coda's gallery. So over 50,000 teams across the world collaborate with Coda, from the New York Times to Square, uh, from Toast to TED and Uber. So if you want a platform that enables and empowers your team to collaborate effectively and focus on shared goals, you can get started with Coda today for free. You can head over to coda.io slash wave. So that's coda, C-O-D-A dot I-O slash wave to get started for free. Coda.io forward slash wave. All right, we're back. So a couple quick updates in the uh, recent current events tech world. Number one, Android 10 is out. Some sad news about oh, yeah. Android 10. They are getting rid of the desserts. Oh, no. Yeah, the dessert names. The, the names that made Google so fun from A, B, C, D, E, F, G, all the way to, I guess they gave up at Q because there's probably not any desserts that start with Q. I know there's some foods that start with Q, but it's just Android 10 now. Uh, yeah, the dessert thing's going to hurt. I always remember my first Google I.O. was for Android O, and there were Oreos everywhere. And What a great perk. It was... Uh, we, I think the whole video we made, we tried to sneak as many Oreos into the video as possible. And that was a just lot had of fun. a great time. And <laughs> it's always fun watching Hiroshi on Twitter just troll everybody on what oh, the yeah, Hiroshi, new names could be. Hiroshi had a... For those who don't know Hiroshi Lockheimer, who's been in charge of Android for a while, uh, he's had a habit of trolling... <laughs> 
just sort of teasing what the next version of Android's name will be Mm -hmm. before it comes out because we all just sort of assume he knows and controls what it's called and Mm -hmm. we all are in his mercy trying to guess it. Uh, I'm going to miss that a little bit. I'm going to. I think when P came out, we made a fake Android that looked like Peppermint Peppermint. and he retweeted it and I'm sure that- And the world went, well, it's either definitely Peppermint or definitely not Peppermint. Thanks, Hiroshi. Uh, um, yeah, so I, fun fact, I think I know all of the versions off the top of my head. So, well, first there is AB. I don't know those. Let Alpha, me, beta, I call them. Let me pull it up real quick, too. Okay, you can fact check me. All right, let's go. So, we're going to start at C, right? At Cupcake, Okay, right? cool. Okay, so, verified, I'm not looking at anything. Nope. This is straight off the dome. Okay, so, Cupcake, Donut, Eclair, Froyo, Gingerbread, Honeycomb, Ice Cream Sandwich, Jelly Bean, Kit Kat. Uh, not lemon. What is L? Lollipop. M is. Oh no! What came before nougat? What is M? Marshmallow. There, there it is. Go, yeah. Marshmallow, nougat, uh, Oreo, and then P was the last one. So pie, and then Q is just is Android ten. That's where it ends. Yeah, I don't think we could think of anything that Q really stood for. Yeah. Quiche was one of those. Quiche but that's not was a one, but dessert. that's, yeah, that's, that's just not dessert. eggs. <laughs> so, so Android 10 is out. Anyway, long story short, probably can't, I wouldn't cross your fingers on getting it on your device anytime soon if you don't have a Pixel or a OnePlus phone right now. Did, did I read something that Essential Phone's one of the ones getting it? Or really? an Essential Phone, I, yeah. That's that actually, is incredible, always to me. I love that. I love that little, little, seems like a startup but i mean they're a big company but yes essential sort of in in the corner updating all their phones uh alongside google uh if you have a pixel you can grab it now if you have a a pixel book you can grab it now i guess but other than that those pixel book users all six of you pull over right now download android 10 on your pixel book uh, if you're not in that group, uh, I guess sort of cross your fingers because it's just sort of out there. Yeah, and, and if you're on Samsung, see in like three years. Yeah, I hope you get I hope you get the latest version sometime in the next 365 days. But yeah, Android 10 is out there. Next up, I wanted to show, I can't really show it to you, but I just want to read you guys a headline just because it's September now and this is sort of the state of smartphone announcements right now. Let me pull up this exact headline and read it to you. Huawei Mate 30 Pro renders show no volume buttons and seven cameras. It's. Uh, I wish you could see the <laughs> Italian lip kissing I was doing right now, oh, or finger kissing, yeah. What a great headline. Um, so 2019. So Mate 30 Pro is going to come out. I, I sort of actually tweeted recently, like, we have a bunch of stuff coming up. We have iPhone 11 and 11 Pro. We have Pixel 4. We have the Mac Pro coming out. We have all the stuff coming in September. I actually conveniently forgot Huawei Mate 30 Pro. I think I just sort of erased them from my memory after their whole thing earlier this year. We're going to get a lot of comments saying how much you hate Huawei. But hey, they're here. They're going to have Mate 30 Pro, and it may, in fact, have Android and come to the U.S. Who knows? Um, We'll link this in the show notes if you want to check it out. But I'm excited for it to hit up. It did great in our camera bracket showdown last year. True. Actually, it won. Mate 20 Pro yeah, won. Mate 20 Pro won the blind smartphone camera test. So Mate 30 Pro is slotted to have the four cameras on the back is kind of a misnomer, but it, it is four. It's a wide angle, it's an ultra wide, it's a telephoto, and it's a time of flight sensor. And then there's three cameras on the front, which I guess is uh, a regular and ultra wide and a time of flight also. Nice. 
yeah, so no buttons is kind of weird. I'm not sure I'm ever going to be on board with the whole no buttons thing. I know that's sort of a movement to get rid of all the ports and buttons, but nothing's quite like I think no physical, button. real buttons. Yeah, it has a while to go before I think we all fully adapt that and take it as, as normal. Thanks for the proof, HTC. <laughs> uh, and we also have a couple other iPhone rumors, of course. We're going to have this iPhone event very soon after the time. You may be listening to this while waiting for the iPhone event to start. Um, but we have a couple other iPhone Pro rumors, which I love, that are there may be a matte finish to the iPhone. Okay. And there always seems to be either a space gray or black iPhone. So if there is a matte black iPhone 11 Pro, I don't see how I don't end up using this phone. I mean, for- like, as over your Android phone? <laughs> I mean, for at least, like, a week or two. I have cool. to test it as my main phone, so that's something that usually happens. But matte black, please. Tim Cook, I know you're listening. Make it happen. Um, but there's also rumors of a revived iPhone SE, so a cheaper sort of budget iPhone. May not necessarily be announced at the same spring event we're about to have, but a smaller 4.7-inch display in an iPhone in 2020. 2020, okay. I feel like we've been hearing SE rumors for a while, and they yeah. never quite seem to come to fruition. But They sort of float around... Uh, the design everyone wants is like that square iPhone 5S mm-hmm. or iPhone 4 design. That's the dream anyway. And then having that compact iPhone with the new internals. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's just going to be an iPhone 7. It's probably, it'll probably look very similar to what we're seeing now rather than back then. Yeah. So it's, a, it's an exciting rumor in theory, but not necessarily uh, going to be the dream phone that we're all no, waiting no, for. No, it's not going to be Marquez's dream phone for yeah. sure. Sorry. All right. Um, next up, I have travel cameras and bold oh seems like you have a lot to say about travel i think i do have quite a bit to say about it um this is something we've talked about a couple times so like recently i've been visiting a lot of national parks they're beautiful and i think every time i've gone i've brought something different with me to take pictures with i mean a different camera a different way to take they're not always cameras like i I only have my phone this time okay uh but I mean, that's a camera. We've talked about that before. What's the best camera? The camera you actually have with you. True. Um, and I mean, you you never really go hiking unless you take pictures to show the world that you went hiking. So did you really go on the hike if there aren't pictures ex- from above the clouds? Exactly. Uh, so this last week, I was actually on vacation. We were out in Colorado. Um, I was actually going to a wedding. Uh, congrats, Connor and Chloe. Uh, Marquez and I both used to be teammates with Connor. Yeah. Um, so congrats, guys, and it was a great opportunity to go out there and check out Rocky Mountain National Park, which was, I like to call it breathtaking because it's like 12,000 feet above sea level, <laughs> and I took one hike at the top of one of the mountains and was just huffing and puffing after like a quarter of a mile. It's crazy how much elevation changes. I've been to Colorado once, and I think I might have even talked about this on a previous episode, but I was like curious if the elevation difference is real. It's so real that literally we were playing ultimate and we weren't even that high of a city, but people were, were throwing accidentally too far huh. out the back of the end zone way more often. And I noticed that that was actually real and you could feel it in the air. It's like the, I think the lowest point in Rocky National Park is like 9,000 feet above sea level. And then you drive up the road and you get to a point that's around 12 and Jeez. like, well, what are, we're getting close to three miles above sea level. It's, it's pretty, pretty crazy. But the park is absolutely beautiful uh mountains lakes up in the mountains uh, we had a great time there but every time i come back from one of these 
I talked to Marquez and we have this conversation and kind of a debate over what's the best camera to bring to something like this. Yeah, you want to you want to capture it as best as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. But you're also going for a hike and yeah. you're carrying a you're carrying this weight for however many miles above sea level you go in thin air. So you sort of want to minimize how much you carry. So maybe a smartphone camera seems like a great idea or a compact camera, but then is the image quality going to do it justice? Exactly. Do you want to bring a bigger camera? I'm curious what you found bringing just your phone this time. So I think what's interesting is I think the average hike I we did on this trip was probably like eight miles a piece, which is, well, wow. it's a lot. It, carrying a heavier camera around like that would suck. You're definitely not bringing a red. If you brought a red camera out to something <laughs> like that, you'd have to I train would. for it. I, I totally would. I'd strap uh, that I, thing in my belt. It wouldn't surprise me. We'd probably take a break every four steps, but yeah, no. Uh, I to just to for a small tidbit, I did go for a hike in Hawaii and I did bring the Hasselblad yeah, you and the I Hasselblad. regretted it so much. So one of the first parks I went to was Glacier last year and I brought a really nice camera. I brought the A7R with me. Um A7R, okay. Yeah. I brought a couple lenses. I brought the twenty four to one oh five and I actually rented a I think it was a seventy to three hundred. Um, That's some big lenses. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's not light at all. And in my backpack it was too much weight, so I just wound up carrying it most of the time. Um, I did a 13-mile hike one time, and I thought my arm was going to come out of the socket. So A7R, just... yeah, A7R is a it's a lightweight body. Mm-hmm. It's a smaller camera, but then when you add that weight, uh, it's not the biggest handle in the world, so you're kind of just no. like gripping this flat thing with a big glass weight on the side. Yeah, okay. uh, and it took absolutely beautiful pictures. I mean, like getting back and icing my shoulder and resting. <laughs> I'm like, oh man, I'm so glad I brought this. But there are definitely times in the hike where you're just like, this is miserable. Yeah. Why did I bring this with me? So, so after that, would you decide you wanted a lighter camera to sacrifice image quality? I, I think I was okay with sacrificing image quality. It's something we talked about in the camera bracket test before is like, we're mostly posting these to Twitter and Instagram. True. I'm okay with some some sacrificing quality. So the next trip I went to actually was Acadia and I just brought my phone. I got a bunch of great pictures. Which phone? With just my phone, Pixel 3. Okay. Um, Everything looked great. It stayed in my pocket the whole time. That was wonderful. Actually, in Acadia, it was perfect. Then I go to Rocky Mountain and I think my biggest thing I missed was now a telephoto with it because in Rocky Mountain, there's a lot more wildlife and Mm. something that's been on my bucket list for a long time is seeing a moose. I would, Saw a couple of them, and I was so bummed. You can't I take a good moose nice photo moves. from 400 yards away with a with a Pixel smartphone yeah, camera. Exactly. I mean, it's, it'll be okay, but like you don't want to get <laughs> close to a moose. It. I, no, you do not want to. Apparently, they're super dangerous because of how dumb they are and how. Nice. Uh, That's my favorite kind of danger. Yeah, they get startled way too easily and just <laughs> charge. So you don't want to get anywhere near them. It was the first time I saw one. Claire and I were kind of terrified. It was pretty. It was just in a field and it was just us and this one tree we were basically like hiding behind at first. So Sick. But my favorite stat about, by the way, dumb, dangerous animals mm-hmm. is one of the most dangerous animals to humans is deer. Okay. And that's because they jump in front of cars all the time. Yeah, New Jersey we have that a lot, New Jersey. Yeah. Anyway, so so you'd rather have a telephoto lens in the case where you're photographing wildlife that's further yeah. away. Can I can I suggest mm-hmm. or I don't know if you you probably had these actually, the the moment lenses yes, that you can have. I did have those. Um, I, I had them in Acadia as well. And I I definitely would say if you're just going to bring your phone, pick up at least the wide angle. The wide angle is super fun. It lets you, when you have big scenery, you want to yeah. get all of it. Super um, wide. 
So that's great. I had the anamorphic out, which took some really, really cool pictures. So for uh, those who don't know, the, the the Moment lenses, Moment is a company that makes a lot of attachment smartphone camera lenses. So they have a special case that you put your phone in and it has a, a lens mount that you put in front of the camera. So instead of just using your smartphone's primary camera, you can attach an ultra wide angle lens to your smartphone. And it's this little, you know, cherry tomato size, like small attachment that you can throw in your pocket if you want to have one. If you want to have two of them, they also make a telephoto lens you can attach to your phone. An anamorphic, if you want to take crazy, yeah. super ultra-wide videos. So, yeah, if you're if you're thinking about going like the smartphone-only route, which a lot of people do, mm-hmm. but you want that extra reach of a telephoto, that might be a combo to keep in mind. Yeah, I can highly suggest it. First of all, Moment lenses are super high quality. I think that's the original reason we got kind of into them. They just sent us some and we're like, these feel like real lenses. They came in a lens case. Yeah. They felt amazing. It's not one of those little clip-on ones you see. They like on, twist like, and lock into the yeah, lens mount on the case. Okay. Yeah. So they make them for iPhones, Pixels, maybe one or two others, but those are the main like camera-focused yeah, exactly. smartphones. I actually had my hiking backpack has two little pouches by the waist. I had like keep the ultra, lenses in there. wide and ultra wide in one anamorphic nice. and the uh, telly in the other one yeah you so. would have been you would have been the poster on their site um, for yeah. like the <laughs> ideal user caleb niles and, yeah. <laughs> yeah but uh my only issue with that is even with the telly and a telly at full zoom i was getting close to some of the wildlife it felt close but then picture quality at that point it's not moments fall it's we our phones when it's a tiny sensor. full zoom it's just garbage yeah Okay, so I have another camera sitting in front of me. Yes, and this I is think... actually something I could not stop thinking about yeah. while I was out there. And I was so, bummed I did not bring it. This might be the one. I'm holding an RX100 Mark Seven, mm-hmm. And it's pretty expensive. It's about 1100 bucks, But there's an RX100 Mark V you can get that takes just as good photos, not quite as good videos. Um, but it's, it's a palm-sized camera yeah. with a really good zoom, optical zoom. I think I'm looking at a... I don't know the equivalent anymore, but it's an over 100 millimeter zoom in your in the palm of your hand. Yeah. Uh, this might have been somewhere like a good, like it'll still fit in that same exactly. jacket pocket type mm-hmm. of thing, maybe a back pocket. You take it out, you get your optical zoom, and you get a much better photo than a smartphone. It's just not quite as fast. I think I'd be fine with that. I don't, like, I'd be fine holding that in my hand. I'd be fine putting that in a pocket right right on my chest somewhere when I'm, I'm walking around and, and be able to whip it out really quick. I think most of the places, when you're in a park like that, you know it's very rare that you're the only person that finds wildlife. You're more looking uh, for cars that are pulled over on the side of the road or a bunch of people pointing. So most like, people found the cool stuff. Yeah, exactly. Like okay. I could whip the, pocket, the camera out while I'm on my way there. So that's not that big of a deal. But okay. having something that small with a good zoom like that I, I honestly could not stop thinking, why didn't I bring the damn RX100 with me? <laughs> that would have been sick. What an easy pack that I could have done that I just didn't think about. Um, so yeah, that's what I was kind of thinking. I know you're, it's interesting because we've had conversations like this before. And I think it was before you went to Hawaii, you were like, oh yeah, I'd bring the Hasselblad. Why wouldn't yeah. you? Like, it doesn't have a big of a, a huge telephoto lens, but I can just crop in. It's 50 megapixels. It's true. Okay. So here's my experience with uh, traveling with cameras. I am stubborn. Mm-hmm. And I over and over and over again make the ex- the mistake, I guess, of packing a camera that's too big and too clumsy but takes amazing images. Mm-hmm. So I will take less images than I wanted to, but the couple that I do take will be really good. But I'll miss like a, a bunch that yeah. I wish I also took. So I, I carry in my backpack pretty much all the time Canon EOS R. 
and I could I could be out somewhere and like see something happen in front of me, I'd be like, that would have been great to capture. And I'll just not take my phone out and I'll just watch it happen because the EOSR would have been too, you know, unzipping my backpack, yeah, making exactly. sure it's on and like getting everything set up. I just don't do that as much. But when I do, it looks great. Mm. Uh, so yeah, maybe this RX100 is something I should think about carrying, maybe not instead, but in addition. No, as like a, yeah, as a, a quick running gun, let's, there it is. I have a couple seconds. Yeah. Also, at a certain point, like when you were hiking in Hawaii, how far? It was up a mountain, right? Yeah. And I wasn't taking, so I only took one lens with me and it was like the 45. So it's like a medium, mm-hmm. not even telephoto because it's such a big sensor. It's a medium format sensor. So anytime I'm pointing the camera at something, it's either a giant landscape, which means I can just focus on whatever and it just takes a shot or another person or something like right in front of me, like a plant or, or something like that. And so that lens was fine for that, but anytime, super specific, but there were whales in the water like oh, wow. thousand yards away. You wanna and get a photo of that. I wanna get a even... photo of that, but I just took a picture with the wide angle lens and uh-huh. you'd have to zoom a lot yeah. <laughs> to get that. Um, so yeah, having a multiple lens setup would not have quite worked for the type of fast thing that mm-hmm. we would have been doing in the hike, but uh, the couple photos we did take, like I said, on the Hasselblad looked sick. So, yeah, somewhere in between. I think I'm going to keep carrying the EOS R just because I want to do photos and videos, but RX100 is my new favorite because the Mark 7 has a mic jack now. And oh, wow. I can you can legitimately plug in a little mic right on the side. The articulating screen points at you and it becomes a little vlogging camera. That's Not bad. So you're saying if you're a um backpacking or hiking vlogger. Yeah. So I guess here's is. here's my recommendation. If you are going on a vacation specifically to go for a hike, where you want a very lightweight camera, but you want to take pictures so bad that you're willing to take a dedicated camera, I would recommend a point and shoot like the RX100. And it doesn't have to be the Mark 7. This is super similar to the Mark 6 and the Mark 5. Um, but it will take 4K videos. It has a great zoom lens. I'm coming off kind of like an ad right now, but that's okay. <laughs> this is a great camera. Um, I don't think. There's also the whole world of like the Insta360s and the GoPros and That's the, another thing I was thinking like about. Like those are legitimately built for travel and to be rugged and to toss in a bag, but you're you're again, you're on a fixed lens again. It is going to be smaller and lighter, but image quality is not going to be as good. I mean, that's a smartphone sensor basically. So, uh yeah, I would go with a little point and shoot like that. Awesome. Yeah, I thought this conversation was kind of fun because the amount of emails and tweets we get that's like I'm doing this, want to take pictures of that. I have budget of this, what's the best thing to do? Yeah. It's hard to answer that question for every single person. So this is a scenario. I think a lot of people like to go outside, like to see scenery. So this was something I think a lot of people can relate to. And yeah. The hardest part about RX100 recommendation is budget because it's over a thousand. Yeah. But if you can get down to the Mark IV or Mark V, if you don't care as much about 4K video, those cameras are 500 bucks right now. So there yeah. you have it. Sounds pretty perfect. All right, so next topic. Back in episode one, you kind of introduced me as someone in the studio who plays a lot of games. You don't play very many games. Resident game expert, yes. Uh, I'll take it. Yeah, I'll <laughs> throw that on my LinkedIn profile. Sick. Um, but you wanted me to update you if there was any big gaming news. I think the first thing we talked about was Ninja switching to Mixer. Did he bail? What happened? No, no, no he's still like, oh my God, I don't <laughs> think that contract is letting him bail uh, anytime fair. soon. So this is more, this isn't about a person specifically, but more about games. I actually saw... Uh, you know Luke from our our now arch rival for the next few months, uh, Linus <laughs> from Tech Tips. My, yeah, yeah. Uh, he tweeted something about the top five games that were on Twitch last week, and I think to somebody outside the gaming world, 
this is super interesting. So I'm going to read off the five titles. So like top five most played on... The top. Well, so Twitch would be listed as a top five most watched played games because okay. everything on Twitch is listed by how many people are watching it. So these are gotcha. the top five games viewed. Um, I don't know exactly about played, but all the top streamers were pretty much playing some of these games, which means thousands and thousands and thousands okay, of people. Okay, so these are like the trending topics on pretty Twitch. Much. Yeah, exactly. Sure, okay. Um, all right. Number one was World of Warcraft. Number two was Fortnite, which I don't think anyone's surprised about. Sure. Um, number three was Grand Theft Auto V. Number four was Minecraft. And number five was League of Legends. So first of all, you do play some games. You play racing and NBA games. Also, by the way, I play games. Marquez destroys me in NBA <laughs> anytime we play it. Um, sure. <laughs> but either way, have you played any of those games that I've mentioned? Uh, no. When is Grand Theft Auto V? Is that the newest Grand Theft Auto? Or is that? I think it's the newest. It's still. It's not that new, right? It's not that new. Which okay. is actually, do you know what any of these games have in common? Uh, League of I know you said League of Legends is yeah. the number one. Okay, so I know that's a pretty big legacy game. I'm aware of that. Mm-hmm. And Minecraft has had this resurgence. Yes, I think that's mostly due to PewDiePie. Or I think yeah. a good part of that is due to PewDiePie. I think a lot of people have been playing it, but PewDiePie has brought it back to the. The older generation now who's streaming yeah. and stuff like people that. People are discovering Minecraft again, like, which is kind yeah. of funny. Okay. So what what is the common thread? Uh, none of these were released this year. We're pretty late into 2019. Yeah. You'd think a 2019 would be at the top of that. And then what's even more interesting about that is three of those five are from before 2010. So three of those five Whoa. are 10 years old. That at is, least. That is more impressive. Because yes. I could see like even in the smartphone world right now, the best-selling phones came out last year. Yeah, and it's September. It's so like the the iPhone 10, the even the most popular phones like from Samsung. But yeah, ten years ago in mm-hmm. the gaming world, that seems like a long time. All right, so Minecraft and League of Legends, they both came out in 2009. Like you said, we talked a little bit about we think PewDiePie is a big reason. I mean, Minecraft has always been popular, and it's been popular with the younger audience. It's just one of those games that you can play over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Uh, League of Legends is still huge, along with Dota 2, which is was released not that long after that. Both of those are the games that just have a huge audience. They have this professional uh, scene that's gotten really big. But I kind of think what the more interesting thing is, is so World of Warcraft has been around since it started. It actually was released in 2004. It's very popular right now. And the reason is because they actually re-released the original, ver- the 2004 version. And I'm not saying like no graphics update, no anything. They re-released a 15-year-old game and it is the number one watch game on Twitch right now. Were there other releases that were like graphically updated yes. since then? Mm-hmm. So what has happened is it's a game, it's a massive, massive multiplayer online role-playing game. So pretty much you make a character, you level it, you get items blah, blah, blah. Uh, there have been many games like this. World of Warcraft is kind of the one that exploded back in the day. And after a certain point, you hit the max level. You've done all the content in it. Yeah. What they do is they add an expansion to it. So it, it increases the max level. Okay. So it used to be 60. Now it's all the way up to like 120. But people have not been happy with the way the game's gone. Um, and everyone kind of longs for this, the original like magic that they had from it. And eventually they they caved and they brought it back. And it has been crazy, crazy, crazy popular. Wow, nostalgia. I'm almost wondering also, and I know it's either Minecraft or or League of Legends, has either one of these games been in the top five 
for like the entire 10 years since it came out. I feel like either Minecraft or one of these games has like always been one of the most watched games. League of Legends is up there. I don't know if it since it, right when it came out, but they started a pro scene pretty early, which pulls big numbers. And at points in the year when that pro scene gets more popular, it definitely is up there. And it's just right. been one of those games that's massively popular all over the world. I think one huge thing with League of Legends is it's free. Uh, same with Dota 2. They're free games. That is have, Minecraft free? I haven't played Minecraft in a very I long time. Like it was very I cheap saw it when in I like bought the it. Play Store or something. I think it's like four bucks. Yeah, maybe. I think it's very cheap. I think actually that's a great point. A lot of these games are pretty cheap. Uh, World of Warcraft is not. It's actually fifteen dollars a month. But whoa, yeah, wow. Wait, World of Warcraft is fifteen dollars a month, and it's been out for ten years, and people have been, been paying out for, for fifteen years. Fifteen years. Holy smokes! I'm sure there. Are, I'm sure there are plenty of people who have played from the start, but. What kind of caused this to happen is people started getting so upset with the regular game, they started making their own private servers of the original one that was not part of Blizzard. They oh. kind of revamp they remade the whole game. That got massively popular, and I think Blizzard just finally saw like people are having way more fun playing this game from back then. They than saw they are that now. and they said, let's capitalize on that and get people to exactly. pay a little in and play I, it. I went I dove head first. Um <laughs> I played that back in high school. I've said that I liked first-person shooter games in a previous episode, but this was a game that I played for probably two years in high school. Um, I was on vacation when it released, so I was really, really bummed about that. Uh, I came back. I think my flight got in at like 10. I was home by 11. I logged on at midnight, played a little while, went to bed the following midnight. So in like a 24-hour period, I, I checked the time that I played on it. I put 16 hours into the <laughs> game already. So I really, wow. really dove into it, and I'm so happy. I, I think the I think a perfect way of showing it is the guild that I joined, kind of like the team, is we just call ourselves Deja Vu because yeah. we are literally all just reliving the exact same thing. Nostalgia. <laughs> nostalgia is incredible, and I think this isn't the only thing we've seen nostalgia pop I was going to say, in. you know what this yeah. reminds me of? Yeah. The movie industry. Oh, actually, I wasn't even, that's not even what I was thinking about. I was thinking more game stuff, but yeah. This right uh, this reminds me of like every big movie that comes out. If I wasn't like linked in with that nostalgia of like, this is the new Avengers movie. If I didn't see any of the previous Avengers movies, all I see is tons and tons of hype about how this is going to have them relive or, or like even like all the superheroes like Spider-Man and the new, there's going to be a Joker movie now. So you have to go back to watch the Batman movie. Like everything's a spinoff or a a reboot of something that once yeah. was. Look at all the live action stuff right now. Lion King. Lion King. Uh, Biggest movie of the summer of 2019, The Lion King. Yeah. Like, or a, a live action Lion King. Like, who would have thought? Yeah. Did you watch it by any chance? I haven't seen it yet. Oh, I want uh, to, though. Billy Eichner is, Billy Eichner and John Oliver, their characters are, they're perfect. The cast Absolutely is going to be the, the reason I see great, that movie. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, the video game industry also is doing all this nostalgia stuff. We've seen... World of Warcraft's not the first MMO. This old game called RuneScape was like an in-browser game. I've heard of it. They updated, everyone hated it, so they brought it back. That's super popular right now. We're seeing, we're even seeing all these like consoles coming out. Like who'd have thought in 2019 when we have graphics that I remember playing games and like my grandma was looking at the TV and thought we were just watching TV because the graphics got so good. But who'd have thought now we want to go back to side scrolling? Like, yeah. sonic on the sega genesis or uh they brought back crash bandicoot which was a game i played when i was little it's 
nostalgia just seems to be destroying all these new games that come so out. So what are so kids today who are gaming are they are they going to what's their version of nostalgia going to be? Is it going to be like throwing back to the crappy games of 2019 that didn't hit or are they going to be throwing back to the games that their parents threw back to? That's a great question. Like kids of today are playing Minecraft, I guess. They're going to view a throwback in 10 years as throwing back to Minecraft, mm-hmm. which was a throwback to Minecraft. So <laughs> so I, I guess once you have a classic, cycle? yeah, once you have a classic, it's a classic. It's the thing. But, and I guess it's hard to tell if we're making classics this year. Um, I'd say probably one of the Fortnite. biggest games. Fortnite's two years old though. Yeah. But it's, in 10 years, that'll be a, like, I think it, they'll bring that back as like a, remember Fortnite guys? Yeah. Play I think for, Fortnite, you have to argue, is one of the biggest games that's come out recently. Um, yeah. The biggest game of this year is probably Apex Legends, which just had a massive, massive like uprising. And then just, I don't want to say it came crashing down, but it has nowhere near the hype it used to have. Yikes. Um, okay. So I don't, I don't really know. what Do we just not see that many super popular games anymore? Or is... It's nostalgia is just too hard to to overcome. I think it's just going to be there will always be huge names in any space. Like if I compare this to the smartphone world, we talk about all these other phones like the the you know the budget phones and the mid range stuff of the world. But at the end of the day, there's about five phones people buy. Yeah, and I think it's a lot of the same way in the gaming world. Like there are tons of games that you can get into, but at the end of the day. There's about five games that people play and watch streams of and compete professionally in and that really blow up to become like a cultural cornerstone. Yeah. And, you know, even for someone who's not in gaming, like I see those names out and I see the professional, the e-gamers and the the Fortnite blowing up. I see that. And uh, I guess I sort of think of it the same way. Like in 10 years when I throw back and someone asked me, what was gaming like in 2019? Fortnite. I mean, that's Fortnite basically... and Mark Ass Proudly. That's all that there was. <laughs> I guess that's what it comes down to. I guess that was 2018, actually. But yeah, so that's uh, that's kind of my take on it. All right, so we'll take a quick break and we'll come back. And we got some more Q&A questions. We'll go through some answers to those. Cap it all off. Support for this episode of Waveform comes from Gigabyte. There's a lot of talk out there about how AI is revolutionizing our world. Computers are writing newsletters, robotic bees are pollinating flowers, and a whole new wave of driverless taxis are popping up in cities all over the world. But how can AI power our passions and what we do for fun? That's where Gigabyte's AI gaming laptops come in. So their range of powerful and portable new laptops deliver cutting edge performance for anyone looking to explore the brave new world of AI powered gaming. So every 2024 Aorus machine comes equipped with the Gigabyte AI Nexus, which is like a central hub located with all the AI-powered features you could hope for. So that includes super useful tools like AI Power Gear, which automatically throttles and extends your computer's battery life depending on your power source and usage. You'll also get access to AI Boost, which optimizes performance based on what you're doing in that moment, whether you're ripping through an FPS or running your own large language model. AI Boost automatically adjusts the GPU and processors to maximize responsiveness and deliver unparalleled efficiency. Lastly, AI Generator includes various generative AI apps for quick startup, and all 2024 Gigabyte models seamlessly integrate with tools like OpenAI and Microsoft's Copilot AI chatbot. But the Aorus 16X and the Gigabyte G6X take it to the next level with a dedicated Copilot key, allowing users to swiftly tap into productivity and generative AI capabilities. I also keep hearing AI is going to change a lot in the gaming world. Andrew, can you think of anything about that? 
not just optimization, like you said, but like more personal optimization I could see happening where like maybe you're playing a competitive game like Valorant and you want higher FPS and lower resolution, like you, you're okay versus like The Witcher where you might want 4K crispy resolution and like a lower frame rate. I think finding that between your computer specs and what you want might help out a lot. Nice. So all of the models that I've been talking about are available right now at oris.com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. So that's A-O-R-U-S dot com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. Gigabyte, team up, fight on. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. All right, welcome back. So I really enjoyed the Q&A that we did last week. And we, we asked questions on Twitter from the Waveform Twitter, WVFRM. If you want to follow, hit those notifications over there. Uh, you'll be the first to see when we poll for more questions. And so we're bringing back the Q&A this week. In September, we have a lot coming up. We have a lot of potential topics to ask questions about or just general stuff. So I asked what you guys wanted to know. And we got some questions. All right, I got one. Okay. And I'll ask you this question too. So Elliot Elbow, Elbow Sales wants to know, do you think modular phones will ever make a comeback? And uh, as far as the near future, my answer is no, I don't think so. I don't want to say never, like ever, but considering what we've seen in smartphones for the past couple of years, it got tried, it didn't stick, it's not coming back. Yeah, I, I guess my answer would be, can you call it a comeback if it never really became mainstream? Like, That's a great did, question. I mean, the most I think about with modular phones is like, what was that LG that you could replace the battery, right? The G5, you could just rip out the battery and swap in a new one, which was another, you know, you could always do like battery replacements on phones before that, but... It was sort of a throwback, the fact that you take the battery out. I think the closest thing we have to modular phones now is Moto's, yeah, uh, Moto yeah. Mods, and they're all right, and they sort of work from generation to generation, but is that a modular phone, or is that just attachments, no, not moving I, parts of the phone? I find it hard to call it modular. Do you remember that old Kickstarter video? I'm pretty sure you did a video on it. Of Project just like, Aura, I think that it was. was called it? it felt like a Lego. Like That was what people were dreaming about being yeah, a, exactly. a truly modular phone. It never happened because that requires a vibrant, thriving ecosystem with third-party plugins that just was never going to happen. I, I don't see it ever happen. Yeah. Oh, I like this one. If you were appointed CEO of Twitter for a day, how would you implement the edit button? I think we've talked about this a little bit before, but... <laughs> the edit button, it's so simple. It's just like the edit button on Facebook. You made a post, there's a typo. Oh no, you realize there's a typo. 12 people already retweeted it, whatever. You hit the edit button, you correct your typo, you hit save, it updates your tweet. Anyone who retweeted it will see that there's now a history, an edit history, and you can go see that edit history if you click it. 
Uh, there's a maximum number of characters you can change, maybe 12, you know, you, you messed up a word, you want to replace it. Um, every edited tweet will show the edit history and uh, simple as that. Yeah, I implement I, that the day I get in. I think that the, the minute you get in, you call, you kick the door down. The second I walk in that office, I'm like, who's in charge here? <laughs> I need an edit button and I know you guys have been working on it. Just hit the go button, guys, please. If Apple announces one more thing at their event, what would you want it to be? What would I want it to would be? Would you want it to Does be? Does it have to be realistic? No. Nah. <laughs> hmm. You can, well, here, give, uh, let's do one realistic one more thing and one dream one more thing. Okay. I'm going to give my realistic one iPhone SE. I don't want it that much, but I could totally see that actually being yeah. a kind of surprise. I could, my realistic one more thing from Apple at this point is such a low bar. It's like, we're going to ship the Mac Pro next week. That's the one more thing. Like they, they promised it would be in fall and technically fall ends, what, November 21st? It'll be literally the last week. It'll be day. the last week of fall. But yeah, I, I, their one more thing could just be, remember that Mac Pro we talked about? Soon. soon. Guys, yeah, it's coming sure. up soon. If they said soon, if they said one more thing, Mac Pro soon, I would just automatically assume it's pushed back to next year. So <laughs> is that really what you want? That's my, that's my realistic one more thing. All right, what is um, your... Can we just assume that your unrealistic one is that it's already sitting in the mailbox downstairs? And- oh, wow. That would be, well, I mean, that would be hilarious. But if they're going to go on stage and give me a dream one more thing, uh, it would be they'd finish up the iPhone. They'd go through all the new stuff with iOS 13 again. They'd go through how all their sales have been great. But one more thing. We've been working on this all-new category. And we know you've been very into Tesla and Porsche and Audi. But we've been secretly working behind the scenes on an Apple car, and we call it iCar. Good morning. <laughs> that's that's something I could see them pulling off in a dream world, but it's not gonna happen. All right, all right. I'd say my dream world, dream world with a hint of realism is we saw a little bit about AR glasses. Mm. One more thing. I think just like the little rumors that iOS 13 had like a little mention in it that they're still working on it. Um, but ultimate, I want to put a, a pair of glasses on when I go to a store. I want like navigation in a store. I'm, I'm at the grocery store and I want this super niche product that I I know every single person I ask has no clue what I'm talking about. Hey, eyeglass, navigate to avocados. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I want it, it. It needs to bring me to that aisle. It needs to show me where it is. And I just want to pick it up. And I don't want to ask 40 people who don't know what they're talking about. And then like, usually when I'm in this scenario, I, I look it up on Google images so I can see what the package looks like. So I don't have to read everything. Yeah. And I walk down the aisle. I think it's in scan every package. It's not there. Next aisle. It's just a pain in the neck. Yeah. Interior inside building real time navigation, which is really hard because it's a lot of it depends on GPS. But yeah, yeah that could be interesting. That could be a, a dream Google Glass competitor from the Apple world. Ooh, this is a question for both you and Andrew from Body by Tacos. <laughs> uh, it's my favorite question already. Yeah. What keyboards do you and Andrew like to use and why? So on your desktop, because I know we use different keyboards most of the time, both here at the studio and at home, I use Apple's chiclet style desktop keyboard. I have tried mechanical keyboards. I've tried some others. Um, Logitech even sent their new sort of hybrid mechanical-esque but still not mechanical desktop keyboard with backlighting and all these crazy fancy features. 
but I keep sticking with the simple square metal chiclet style. I don't know. It seems to just work for me. Yeah, at, at work, that's what I use. I feel like work is where I type the most. Typing all day, I've, I've grown to love the chiclet style keyboard. It's very simple. Also, it doesn't drive everyone in the studio crazy, Yeah, um, which is very important. <laughs> it's quiet. Uh, at home, I'm mostly just playing games at home. I use a mechanical. I think right now I'm using a HyperX with cherry red switches. Um, for a while, I was using browns, and I really liked them at first, but I was living in a one-bedroom apartment with my fiance, so she was not happy. Too with loud. It. Way too loud. Got it. Uh, so I, I moved to red. They're a bit quieter, and then I actually found out that I just really like them. If you're playing for a long time, a little less fatigue. I hate saying out loud that there's fatigue when playing video games. Um <laughs> but I hope there's someone out there who can relate to that. It's true. It's true. It's true. Someone named Tiago asked, do you think USB 4 is going to kill USB-C? Am I behind on something? I'm really hoping that's not already a thing that people are thinking about. <laughs> I haven't heard anything about it, but isn't aren't they kind of different? Isn't USB-C like the, the physical shape of yeah, the... Yeah, USB Type-C is a connector. Yeah. USB 4 if that is a thing, could still use the USB-C connector because right now it's USB 3.1. I'm sure that's the very simple way of explaining it, but yeah. as far as I know, like there's USB 2 and USB 3, and they're the same type A connector. I'm still on the USB-C all the things train, so that's that's my stance. <laughs> I mean, as of right now, it's the only thing we've seen, and it makes the most sense, and it's the most universal, so if something were to kill it, it would have to go through this. When was When did we make the USB-C all the things video like two years ago like 2016 I think yeah and there's still things coming out with micro USB so Logitech's MX Master 3 just got USB yeah. 3 USB-C so yeah no USB-C all the things here's one that I I feel like should be really obvious but surprisingly I don't think is uh somebody said do you mind taking pictures with fans if they ask I don't mind yeah yeah it's usually like pretty quick like hey oh you're Marquez Hey, what's up? I like, I've seen your videos. Can we take a quick picture? And then, yeah, that's fine. It's awesome. Yeah, we actually, I think we saw someone out in Rhode Island when we were doing 5G and I specifically saw him walking over and I, I saw him point and I was like, oh, those guys know who Marquez is. They're going to come and ask for a picture. I turned around for one second and turned around and they were walking away. And I can only assume they felt bad asking. Like, Don't. What if they were just pointing like, what's that guy doing with yeah, a what? giant <laughs> tripod and a camcorder in the middle of our college town? What is that? Very good, on? valid point. But <laughs> if anyone sees, I mean, I'm sure no one wants to take a picture with me, but if anyone sees a Saturn around, come say hi. Yeah, I like this one. If the tech in your studio could talk, what's the craziest story of things that it's seen that it would say? Oh my God. I needed this question like a month ago so I could really think it through. <laughs> oh, I mean, there's the one, there's the one wallpaper TV that literally committed suicide. Yeah, one. that would definitely be one of them. There was two. I, w I would say that and the glass. But the, oh, the TV, yeah. Uh, yeah, so two. these are both things that happened while we weren't in the studio. But if there was like some sort of magic that happens where when we leave the studio, all the tech comes to life, for some reason, they just keep like jumping off of things and breaking themselves. Uh, the wallpaper TV, which is... You know, LG's super thin OLED that slaps against the magnets in the wall and has a couple little hooks fell off the wall. Uh, actually, we were yeah, here. Yeah, we were in the studio. Okay, I take that back. We were in the studio, both had our backs to that TV, and we both just heard a bang and turned around, and it was on the ground. And we we're like, what? what just happened? Just fell off the wall with no apparent reason. Uh, but the other one is the frosted glass on that table next, yeah. to, my, next to my desk. Um, we weren't in the studio, but 
I don't know, for whatever reason, it sits in the sun, it gets a little crack, and that crack develops over time. And tempered glass specifically, if it develops a crack like that and heats and cools enough times, it will just shatter. It will just spontaneously shatter. And you don't exactly know when it's going to happen. Maybe it's when it's heating up. Maybe it's right under an AC vent and the AC turns on and starts cooling it down and it starts expanding, contracting too much. But we came back in this room and it was uh, shattered and that was pretty weird. Yeah, I, I guess the only other thing I could say is there are probably plenty of objects in this studio that whenever we leave and they come to Toy Story Life, they just cry and think, why hasn't Marquez paid attention to me? <laughs> um, I sometimes... figured I'd be a high usage smartphone but here i am in a drawer with all my dead friends pretty much yeah Uh, yeah sometimes we just don't have time to get to everything and we'll we'll pull a box out of the closet that's like oh this could have been a cool video a year and a half ago someone said oh this is dumb tesla roadster or porsche taycan that's not even fair it's the roadster obviously (laughs) all right so this comes from that geek dad he said what is one sport you cannot stand to watch um (laughs) Or one that you've at least tried and just immediately thought, forget about this. Wow. I got to go trash on a sport now? <laughs> uh, actually, I have two answers. Okay. Uh, I've tried to watch baseball. I can't. Okay. Uh, I, I, have a, I have a tip for watching baseball, actually. Really? Okay. I'm, I'm not a huge baseball fan either. There's this guy on YouTube called John Boy Media who just takes these like two-minute clips out of baseball segments, whether it's like a walk-off home run or someone getting ejected from the game or I watched one the other day of a pitcher just throwing up on the mound. It's just funny or crazy things that happen in baseball and he just commentates on them and they're oh, that makes hilarious. It so okay. I don't watch baseball, but I will put his stuff, I will wait four or five days till he has like 10 videos out because they're two minutes long. I'll just throw them on repeat and watch all of them and laugh hysterically. I think you're up to date on baseball. Yeah, pretty much. That's all you need to know. Dang. Yeah, no, I, I haven't. I've tried to watch live baseball and there's also like a couple sports during the Olympics where like you've never heard of it and you're like, oh, this is a fascinating thing and I'll like watch it for 20 minutes and be like, all right, cool. I get it. Mm. And then, you know, I don't really finish. Um, but the also, the other thing is I've played golf for ooh, 15 years now. And I love playing golf. Mm -hmm. Like I really enjoy playing golf and it's super cerebral and it's a really physically difficult game. If you've never played golf, it's so easy to say it's not difficult, but you get out there when it's 90 degrees and you walk for five miles and you're trying to keep your, your, your together. Like it's Uh. really tough, but watching golf on TV as much as they try and they've really tried, they have like shot tracer now and they have all these multiple things happening at the same time. Uh, I I just can't. It's really huh. really tough to watch golf on TV. So I'll play golf anytime, but I just I can't watch anything other than Tiger on Sunday at the Masters. <laughs> it's really tough. And is there any sport you've played that you're just like, nah, this isn't me? That I've played? Yeah. Uh, I played lacrosse for a year. Okay. And lacrosse is one of those sports, kind of like football, where you're just gonna get trucked, and you <laughs> just have to be okay with that. And you have pads on, but lacrosse you also have sticks that people are hitting you with the sticks. And they can hit the gaps between yeah. the pads. There are not a lot of pads in the cross. Yeah, you're covered in bruises at the end of like everything. And I played for a season uh, around high school where I was a midi, which is basically like pick the ball up and run for your life <laughs> to the other <laughs> side, pass it off to an offensive player and leave. Um, and there was those couple times where I was like first learning to play or like picking up the ball. 
where if you like sort of stutter picking up the ball, a defensive player will have gotten to you by then and he will absolutely 100% hit you as hard as he can. So uh, lacrosse wasn't for me. Uh, but I, I've sort of found my sports that I like playing now, I guess. Yeah. I'm a, oh man, one I can't, I'll watch. Oh man, I just know how much hate I'm going to get for this. <laughs> Do I, it. I don't like football. Watching football? I'll watch the Super Bowl every year. Yeah. Because that's more of a, I like hanging out with all my friends and watching it, but a 60-minute game where like 11 of it is actually a play happening. I, yeah. I know everybody's going to say like, it's like chess. You're reading the defense. You're you're making an offense for it. I totally get that. Football players are, are probably some of the craziest athletes I've seen. Yeah. Like watching those big guys just fucking run and truck people is incredible. But 100% can't watch it i think what it comes down to for me is possession-based sports are where possession switches back and forth often are like fun for me to watch i watch basketball you get a turnover you get a steal you score it's just back and forth back and forth and then a timeout to take a breather where you literally can't keep playing Mm -hmm. like that happens in ultimate back and forth you play a possession then it's over uh so i think like golf is pretty slow baseball is pretty slow football is pretty slow those are the sports that i don't watch as intently because yeah those aren't as fast paced yeah i could see that so the funny thing about a sport that i've played that i gave up on uh when i was younger i played hockey mm-hmm. and it was, it was so young to the point where i i forgot that i had played it and i started getting really really into hockey in high school and i i just like made a joke to my mom one day like why didn't i ever play hockey blah blah she's like oh you did and one day you said it was too cold on the ice, so I took you out of it and didn't play anymore. Um, so yeah, apparently the sport I quit on is the sport I'm the most diehard fan for right now. That's I'm wild. a huge Devils fan. Uh, I can't wait for this upcoming season, but yeah, I quit the sport I love the most. It's got to be cold out there to keep the ice frozen, from what I can tell. <laughs> yeah, I guess too cold for a little me, but... Wow. All right, I have a pretty general one. Okay. What's the most exciting thing from Techtember and Techtober? The most exciting thing coming up that you're probably going to try to buy. That I'm going to try and buy. Yeah. So one from September <laughs> and one from <laughs> Techtober. The obvious easy answers for me are Techtember iPhone 11 Pro matte black, Techtober Pixel 4 XL black. But I'm going to go with uh, some not so uh, obvious answers. I'm going to go Pro Display XDR, hopefully in October. I have been waiting forever to have dual monitors again. I hate having a single monitor and having one iMac screen on my desk has been bothering me for years now. I cannot wait to have dual monitors again. So I'm going to say Pro Display XDR, hopefully in October. And uh, in September, I'm going to go with Asus ROG Phone 2. I'm really excited to get that phone in my hands. I'm very excited to see that. It seems like the spec dream, and this is one of the best opportunities to see how well specs translate to real life because that thing looks incredible on paper. So ROG Phone 2 and Pro Display XDR. I think I would have a hard time answering that question because in terms of buying things, the the big things are phones, so I'm not not someone who carries two phones. I mean, I'm very excited for Pixel 4. Pixel 4, Um, that's what I'm probably excited most for for Techtober, but yeah. Techtember, I'm just excited to play World of Warcraft. Nice. The whole week. Is it the paid? Every month. What? Is it oh, paid? Yeah, I paid for it. All right, so month. you can say that's something you're 
Okay, yeah, I'll say it technically released in August, but I didn't get to play it till September. So yeah, there we go. I'm counting that. I feel like such a nerd saying that, but it is true. It is true. (laughs) I guess we'll end it at that. That was uh, our little Q and A session. If you guys like the idea, maybe send us a tweet if uh, if you think the Q and A for every episode is a good idea, or maybe we should do more topical Q and As. I think they're going to be great for when we have guests. Yeah, so we can have Q and As for the guests, and that'll be something we do in the near future. But let me know. If you have feedback, hit us up on Twitter at WVFRM. And if you're listening to this in Spotify or in Apple Podcasts or in Google Podcasts, feel free to leave a rating on the podcast as well, anywhere you subscribe or listen. Yes, yeah, so that's it. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. This was episode three. Marquez Brownlee, Andrew Manganelli, your hosts. We're produced in partnership with Studio 71, and the intro and outro music was created by Cameron Barlow. <laughs>